Thanks for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. Our Sunday services are held at 1030 a.m. at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To stay up to date with what's going on at Joy Church, check out our website at www.joychurch.life. The following message is presented by our senior leader, John Poundstone. I call this message this morning, <clears throat> Navigate the Narrow Gate. As usual, my message titles have verbs in them. <clears throat> it's not a subject. It's, it's how do we navigate the narrow gate that the Bible talks about. Two weeks ago, I brought a message that was entitled, It's Not About Me. I said, uh, if, if not about me, then what is it about? And we patterned the message after what we saw Jesus doing. And we saw Jesus saying, well, if it's not about me, it's about pretty much three things in the New Testament. Of course, it was about other things. But the three main topics you're going to see, if you read and you follow Jesus closely, it was first and foremost always about the Father. He was always about the Father. He was also about, hey, you're going to run into snares all the time in your life, traps, ways to get sucked off into the into taking you out of power or deception and so forth, and or ways to um, act a little less than Christ-like. You're going to be tempted to do that very often. So he showed us how to spot and stay out of snares. And then thirdly, he talked a ton and really modeled that if it's not about me, what is it about? It's about one anotherness. It's about you are as or more important than I am. It's about in a church culture, we ought to have a contest that says, who's the fastest to forgive? Who is the quickest and the best at seeing past the behavior and the words and the dress and the whatever else into what's going on in the heart? It's It, it needs to be about one another much more than about me. I want to start this morning with an important mindset. Doesn't the Bible say, that you and I, a son, a daughter, are a child of God? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and didn't Jesus actually got a little honked off at the disciples when they tried to keep the kids away? And he didn't he kind of tell us, come to me as children? So let's let's set up let's set up a great healthy mindset for today's message. And I, I just want to add that the people who are the generation of the people singing this song are some of the most anointed that have come along in centuries. That's one of the reasons that we want to minister so much more and help so much more. So uh, the people that are the age of these two people sitting right here and that one right there um, and others who are over in the other building right now. Oh, and that one right there too. So please minister to us. Children of the Gettys. Beautiful couple. Father, I pray this morning <laughs> that through the ministry of your ruling presence, your Holy Spirit, and your holy heavenly hosts, everybody in this room, each in their own way, because you customize it completely, take their position. Take their position in the truth that this message would penetrate. That new and deeper understanding of our standing 
and our mission is imparted and that we walk out of here with an upgrade, transformed. In Jesus' name I pray. So today's extraordinary times, and they are, call for extraordinary people. (laughs) I submit to you that these extraordinary times call for the people of the way. That's what Christians were called for the first 200 years of the church. There was no such term as Christians. They were called people of the way. If God is indeed good, And if God is always good, you would think God would want to recruit all the helpers he could. I have heard the following question posed. If Christ has made possible the salvation of all, why does he say the gate is narrow and few will find it? There's some cognitive dissonance there. You see that? Very contradiction provides the crux of today's message. That's the root word of crucifixion. That's the root word of cross. That very contradiction provides the crux of today's message. That is such a good question. and Context is everything. So let's go searching. I'd I'd like to zoom in on one particular set of all important of of, of scriptures that are all important, and that's Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Slide 2 will tell us, I believe it is 100% accurate to say that Matthew chapters 5 through 7 can be fairly and accurately and truly termed as the Messianic Torah, the updated Torah, the post-resurrection Torah. That it's also, those chapters are also the constitution of the kingdom of God. and That those chapters contain Ten Commandments 2.0. The holy superseded set of Jesus commandments. And in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 it says, If you think I've come to set aside the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets, you're mistaken. I have come to... Bring to perfection all that has been written. Now, perfection in this context means brought to fullness, made whole, completion. Jesus is saying in my own speak, I'm going to sum it up, zip it up, and show up as it. Jesus is it. So let's zoom in even tighter in one portion of this upgraded, superseding constitution. Next slide, please. It says there, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life And those who find it are few. May I please propose to you this morning that this deserves more than deserves. A rethink. Let's go. Take a moment to ask yourself the context and tone in which you might have first heard those scriptures preached. Whenever I heard those words quoted, 
remember they're 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 quoted from Jesus himself. Almost without exception, they were embedded in the context of an evangelistic sermon describing the way of salvation that leads to eternal life. In contrast, the way of destruction was identified as the road to hell. Contextually, in all of this context, Jesus' warning sounds unequivocal. Number one, only Christians go to heaven. Number two, very few will become Christians. Number three, therefore, only a very few will go to heaven. I mean, is it reasonable to conclude in that context and tone? The majority will choose the wide road that leads to destruction and eternal damnation. Ominous. Ominous. In fact, if you stick with the context of so much of today's evangelistic preaching, you can only conclude Jesus prophesies hell for most of the world, and the elect will only be a small remnant who survive. I mean, if you take it to its logical end. Unfortunately, the preachers who proclaimed this gospel had smuggled Christ's words into a new context, altogether foreign to the sermon in which it was first preached. In its original context, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus himself explicitly defines both the roads, very clearly. Two ways of life, and the gates, two outcomes. Now, compare this next slide with what Jesus actually said. Compare this slide to the next one. Ready? Here we go. In everything you do, be careful to treat others in the same way you'd want them to treat you. For that is the essence of all the teachings of the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, because the wide gate and the broad path is the way that leads to destruction. Nearly everyone chooses that crowded road. The narrow gate and the difficult way leads to eternal life, so <laughs> even few find it. The narrow road is Jesus' distillation. He's distilled everything down of the entire law and the prophets, their essential teaching. And Jesus says so. So how does he summarize the law and the prophets? What is the narrow way? Treat others as you want to be treated. That's right. The narrow way of the law and the prophets, the way to becoming true people of the way, the people of the way adopt and adapt the Jesus way. The Jesus way, according to Jesus, is none other than the golden rule. But it's not the human golden rule. It's not the one we were taught in kindergarten, first grade. That's a good one. If this is a, that was a 10 carat golden rule. What he's talking about here is a very much upgraded 24 carat golden rule. True followers of Christ transform. Over time, they even begin to see other people through the lens of love and actually treat others the way Jesus himself does. So others end up getting treated differently and far better than our soul-driven natural self otherwise ordinarily would. That's the golden rule. Do, as long as you have been a disciple, a believer, made Christ the Lord of your life, has your attitude changed a little bit around people or 
offensive people or people that bug you? Or has your patience grown even just a smidgen? I don't know how much a smidgen is. It's probably slightly less than a tad or maybe more than a skosh. I don't know. But has your patience, your love, your understanding, your compassion changed at all? since you decided to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I would submit to you, yes, it probably has. You begin to see people differently and situations differently, and you respond to them in a different fashion. And don't you wish other people would? True followers of Christ transform. It occurs naturally and supernaturally. Over time, we change and grow. The narrow gate is the outcome. Gates are outcomes, as well as in goes. They're outcomes. It's the natural outcome of walking, led by the Spirit, the narrow way or the Jesus way. And what is the outcome of that? It's not heaven. That's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with heaven. Don't get me wrong. But that's not what this context says. Jesus says the narrow way leads to Life in big, huge letters, capitals, bolded, 72-point font, life. So please don't import your eschatology into that word. It has nothing to do with end times. Jesus' abundant life starts now for those who want to live that way. The broad road indicates the road most people choose, the road of selfishness and self-centeredness, self-reliance, self-defense, self-help, etc. It then only makes sense, instead of treating others as we'd like to be treated, most people are preoccupied or even obsessed with their own welfare and their own well-being, looking out for number one. Because that's what life teaches us we need to do, because they need to be looking out for number one, or so they think. So I used to think. The wide gate is ironic. The wide gate is an ironic outcome of the broad way of self-seeking. What is the consequence of a selfish life, devoid of sacrificial love, mercy, and forgiveness? Does Jesus say the broad path leads to hell? No, not in this context. No, he says the self-way leads to destruction. Now, he's not talking about being thrown into some medieval torture chamber. Jesus is speaking about something you and I see every day in your own family, in your own workplace, in your own self, as you look back at your history, the arc of your life. Selfish people self-destruct. Their lives, their relationships, their vocations either suddenly implode or gradually and unstoppably wither and decay before our very eyes. Think of selfish person you know, and think how full of their life the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit of the kingdom of God really is. No, 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 no. The broad path, the broad gate leads to destruction because it's all about me and my interests. Self-involvement, self-defense, self-protection, self-interest, selfies. My community and more. Two weeks ago, we talked about a wonderful new Asian meal, 
meal. Remember that if you were here? I, me, my, we. I, me, my, we. I, me, my, we. Without realizing it, we are deceived into self-righteousness and we begin to serve a God we make in our own image. <laughs> we, and we begin to align with others who think like we do. And we throw rocks at those who hold different views. Whether woke, anti-woke, or something in between isn't, if that isn't making God in our own image, I don't know what is. Can I tell you something? That right there is exactly what God calls idolatry. And can I tell you, I don't have to tell you, the Bible tells you, he hates it. Not you. It. God is so, so, so sad and heartsick at seeing his creations follow the wiles of ego and the mind tricks of the enemy. It deeply grieves and concerns our loving God to see us diminished and destroyed by our own hand and our own mind. Wide and narrow describe our choices. In this life, Jesus observes that the wide road, the most popular path, seems to be selfishness. And the narrow road, the road less traveled, is the golden rule option constantly upgraded by the Spirit. He's talking about the choices we make in this life and how they play out on this ground, not in some other dimension. Not the dimensions under the earth or second heaven or third heaven. Right here, right now. This dimension. In context, Jesus is not talking about saying some contrived sinner's prayer. Nothing wrong with a sinner's prayer. Don't read, don't read that into it. But this is not what that's about. Those scriptures. So that you can avoid hell. He's talking about following him on his way. The narrow way, the Jesus way, the way of the cross, the Jesus walk of self-giving love. That's right. Ready for some big words? The golden rule is the principle of our cruciform, cross-shaped heart. And a canotic life means self-giving. The golden rule is the principle of our cruciform canotic life in Christ and only in Christ. Jesus did not teach his disciples about the narrow way so that they could somehow influence unbelievers and the lost. That's not what these scriptures are about or for. Jesus did not teach his disciples about the narrow way as congratulations for finding their way into his kingdom. Jesus did not teach unbelievers and society about the narrow way so that they would act right and become good citizens. Jesus directed this as loving, cautionary warnings to his own followers. The church and how we treat each other. It ought to start with us 
And I am so happy to share with you that in this church, by and large, it does. When people come onto this property, walk into this room, we hear frequently, and it just makes our hearts soar. And people say, there's something different. We feel something different. There's like love and acceptance here. Let's take that to work. Let's take, oh, this, it's good, but it's nowhere near God's best. Let's take this up a notch. Let's take it's not about me. Let's take about, let's take cruciforms and canonics to the extreme. <laughs> it, it, what if the church, well, I want to bless every church in the region with this, because what if the church looked, felt, quacked, talked, smelled like this? Come on. Culture is going to change. It can't help it. It bleeds out into the spirit, into the atmosphere. Things shift when the church is the church, loves like the church does, walks the narrow path. Outcomes come out the narrow gate. Jesus is noting the sad reality that even most Christians, yes, those who will spend eternity with him, nevertheless waste their lives on the popular highway of selfishness. After all, who really wants to opt into the life-giving experience of Christ's kingdom here and now and coming? <laughs> because not many, apparently, because love is hard. It's, uh, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard. Just a few verses before these, Jesus described it as taking a slap to the face. and then turning the other cheek, not rearing back with a closed fist, not hurling invectives. There's, I wish I had time to tell you the whole context and deeper meaning, which cheek and so forth, because it's amazing. It's way more symbolic than just the words. <laughs> he says, he said, here's what we're supposed to do. The more we grow up into the head of Christ, this is the kind of things that happen. We take a sucker punch right to the solar plexus. It takes all the wind out of us. It came out of nowhere. And we're supposed to just simply absorb it. Not be sarcastic and say, well, ain't that precious. And not kick him in the shins. And not post about it on social media. Not go on Friendly 5.0 and rant and rave or whatever, however many rant and rave sites there are out there, and there are jillions. No, we're supposed to. Is that easy? Does that sound fun? It doesn't even sound possible. But it is. It is. It's the narrow path. Walk it well enough, long enough, and you will do it gladly, and you'll speak blessing after you forgive. And that's when the power of God kicks in. Forgiving is a bitter blow to the ego. It's death to the old self. Who wants that? Not many, according to Jesus. But it's exactly what he's going to do. So, who will follow? Now, how did we miss this most basic teaching? Two ways. We missed it because of our habit of uprooting the narrow way and the narrow gate teaching from its golden rule context 
and replanting it in eschatological revivalist evangelism. That's not its native habitat. Secondly, we naturally like to parse the Bible out of our own understanding. Well, there's a proverb that says, best not lean on that. You see, the news, the news of the gospel is even better than we can imagine on our own. It's the higher thinking of God. The heading, you look in your Bible, there's a heading between these verses. Man put it there. Not the Holy Spirit of God. The second way that we take this, the way that we have in, in so many contexts, is that the heading that's between these verses in most Bibles is horribly misplaced. For goodness sake, these sentences in the Bible were back to back. One flows into the other. The heading between these verses was placed there by men, not the Holy Spirit. With good intentions. I'm not criticizing them. I'm just saying it is possible, in fact, it's absolutely true, that the gospel is way better news than you think it is. So, if the, nat- if the narrow gate is actually all about life and life more abundant, what's some better context? How do I put this into practice? What's the path? <laughs> and for God's sake, how do I avoid that whole mindset of crime and punishment? It's gone. It's superseded. Jesus lived the perfect and sin life, sinless life. He was brutally crucified. He died and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. And 53 days later, he ascended into heaven, where he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. Punishment has been completely done away with. He paid it all, past, present, future. As much as I respect our system in our country, there's a better way in crime and punishment. There's a way that you and I are supposed to live and think and move and have our being. For God's sake, how do I avoid that whole mindset? How do I avoid shame and condemnation from which it arises? So glad you asked. Let's, 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 let's learn from John. John the Beloved. John the Revelator. John the Apostle. He sh- first of all, he's, he does a very good job of showing us what pulls us off the path in the first place and tells us where all temptation has its roots. That's the next slide. You can just mutter amongst yourselves and read it. This is, this is pretty much the fertile ground from which all temptation, which leads to sin, arises. This message will be recorded. These slides will be available on the website, joychurch.life, along with the recording. So you can go back and review them. I highly encourage you to look at the recordings and take a look at the slides in, in the future. So that sums up the don'ts to watch out for. Let's talk about some do's. Do's. I present you with some calls to action. Now, our friend Peter the Apostle does a great job of helping us, giving us handrails and guardrails about how to become full-fledged disciples. And he does so in the book of Second Peter in a marvelous way. But don't take my word for it. And I don't really think that the preacher is supposed to say all the Bible verses. I think that the people in the audience ought to have a turn 
at preaching the gospel. And so we have nine Bible readers out there with slips in their hands, readers one through nine, and we're going to come around with the microphone so it makes the recording. And before, and you don't have to cite the verse or you don't have to do that. Just if you're the next reader, read your verse out loud and ask the Holy Spirit, help it to carry effect and impact. Ready? Where's reader number one, please? Second Peter chapter one, this is verses three through 11. Ready, set, go. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been dispositioned in us by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. Wait a minute. That's too good. How can that possibly be true? Reader number two. One for as a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. Excuse me. You get that? I get that? Yes. Reader number three. So devote yourself to lavishing, supplementing your faith with goodness, and to goodness add understanding. Mm. Mm. And to understanding add the strength of self-control, self-control add patient endurance, and to patient endurance add godliness. And the Holy Spirit is eager to help. Number five, Second Peter one seven. And to understanding, add the strength of self-control, and to self-control, add patient endurance, and the patient endurance, add godliness. Thank you, Peter. One eight. Since these virtues are already planted deep within, and you possess them in abundant supply, they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. Second Peter one nine. But if anyone lacks these things, he is blind, constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith and forgetting his innocence, for his past sins have been washed. Forgetting his or her innocence. I am innocent. For this reason, beloved ones, be eager to confirm and validate that God has invited you to salvation and claimed you as His own. If you do these things, you will never stumble. Wow. Wow. What a God. Wait till you hear this. As a result, the, the kingdom gate will open wide to you as God designs your prophets enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus the Messiah. Tell me the Holy Spirit didn't show up this morning. Talked about opening the gates all morning, since before service and during service. Wow. It's all, everything we'll ever need, we already have. We just need help accessing it from script, using scripture, community, sacrifice and surrender, obedience, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Here are some calls to action. 
Here are some things that you can choose to do. There are many. This is just a partial list. Resign as master of your universe. Turn in your resignation effective immediately. Read those verses we just read, 2 Peter 1 through 11, several times. Study Matthew chapters 5 through 7. In all of that, please don't make the mistake of doing it. Don't fly solo. Don't be the Lone Ranger. You need Tonto, otherwise known as Holy Spirit. Ask him to come alongside. Ask him to sit down with you. Ask him to reveal Jesus in new and deeper ways. He's glad to. He's right inside you. So just activate him. Invest in communion. Talk about that more in a minute. Here's what I did that really helped me. I, I, I ran across, I looked, I looked for some people who seemed to be farther along down the path through the narrow gate and having outcomes better than mine. And I sucked up to them. I'm just going to be straight with you. I glommed onto them and I, I tried to imitate them and follow them. Guess what? Work. Some of their molecules rubbed off on me. Some of it was osmosis. Some of it was trying new things. Some of it was asking questions that I thought maybe they would think were stupid. Some of it was just trying, just surrendering, just trying to be more like that other person. And then pretty soon, that, that's training wheels. Pretty soon I could take the training wheels off and wobble myself for a while until I got pretty stable on the path. And then I have people around me, <laughs> fortunately and lovely, that <laughs> lovingly tell me that when I'm kind of getting off into the weeds a little bit, I've wandered a bit off the path. Kind of in concert with the first bullet point. How about this one? For the next 21 days, three weeks, you can, that's three sevens and seven threes. That is the perfect number of completion. Ten times a day. Minimal. Say, it's not about me. It's not about me. The next time that person or that spouse or that family member or that situation happens, it's not about me. It's just not about me. I'm, I'm kind of over me. It's not about me. So what happens in 21 days? Oh, just Pentecost Sunday. Watch what happens when you make it not about you for 21 days and then we celebrate the appearance on and in of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you see that fourth bullet point, invest in communion? Why? Because, because done as Jesus intended and taught lies Him. You find Him in communion. Wherever he is present, so is the kingdom of God. The manifest ruling of presence of Jesus, wherever it is, so is the kingdom of God. Because he is the king. Wherever he is present, so is his peace, his purity, his priorities, and his power. Communion is deeply sacred and deeply powerful because it can deepen and broaden the inward presence and influence of Christ. Let's do that this morning. Let's do business with Holy Spirit. The Bible says God said, <laughs> I put before you the choice of life and death. 
Choose life. The narrow gate. Life. Life more abundant. So, over the course of the next seven minutes, I invite you, choose a path. Your Heavenly Father and I truly, lovingly hope you will say, I want to navigate the narrow gate. I want to get back on the path or on the path today, tomorrow, and the days after that. Holy Spirit, over the course of the next seven minutes, I invite you to say, Holy Spirit, please show me what's pulling me off the path, where my temptations lie. Say, Holy Spirit, help me say, Jesus, I know that living my best life is actually living in you, and you living in me. I accept your loving invitation to the center of the path. I see the narrow gate. I want to navigate it. Peace, joy, strength, love, hope, destiny. I want everything you have for me. I'll count the cost. Holy Spirit, minister to me now as I take in this beautiful song I'm about to play. Now, we had some deacons earlier this morning. Let's see. The female deacon is 11 now? How old is your daughter? 11. And the male deacon this morning who set up our communion elements is 7? So there are two trays of communion elements back there. On those tables there are two vases filled. Jesus always requires us to take the first step. Nobody's going to look at you at all, let alone see if you walked up and got your own communion elements. Nobody's going to judge you. It's your choice. Do or don't. But I offer you the opportunity, and the Holy Spirit is right here. And he says, oh, I hope you do. So just walk up to any one of these trays, take the element of communion, do business with God personally and privately. We're not going to do corporate communion this morning. This is between you and God. This is between you saying, yeah, the narrow path is for me. I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'd like to try. Or maybe I do know what I'm doing, and I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Or something in between. So with that, we'll start the video. We'll dim the lights. And again, I'm not going to see what you're doing. It's not, I'm not your judge. Nobody in this room is. If you're living by the golden rule that's one carat gold, it's not God who runs around saying, hey, you're 23 carats short. That's the enemy of your soul, the slanderer, the accuser, the liar. The hosts of heaven are celebrating your one carat. You're near the path. You're near the center line. If you're this morning, you're five carat. Awesome. Awesome. And the hope is that there's 19 left. You, there's the book of Acts says there's higher degrees of power. It's unlimited. And if you're 23 carat, please avoid the temptation to run around and say, "I'm all that in a bag of chips." Look for somebody who's 20 carat and bring them higher. Humble yourself even more deeply. Stay, stay on the center line. I am so privileged and so proud to get to run with people concerned and working on the purity of your gold because you are treasure to your Heavenly Father. He wants far more for you, the Bible says, than you could ever ask or imagine. And this is the narrow way where it all 
is. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for coming. Thanks again for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. We want to personally invite you to our Sunday services at 1030 a.m. held at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To find out more about the Joy Life, be sure to visit www.joychurch.life. See you Sunday.